0: Turn again to the 17th chapter of John. This is a wonderful chapter, as I'm sure we all agree. Amen. Before we read some verses from it tonight, I want to share with you two interesting statements from the Spirit of Prophecy about this chapter. The first is from an article in the Signs of the Times of August 2, 1910. What can I present before my brethren and sisters that is more important for their study and practice than the prayer of Christ? The entire 17th chapter of John is full of marrow and fatness. Notice, the entire chapter is full of marrow and fatness. And again... In a letter that Sister White wrote in 1906 to the officers of the Southern Union is this wonderful statement. God's family on the earth have many lessons to learn in order to answer the prayer of Christ, his last prayer with his disciples before his humiliation. The 17th chapter of John which contains this prayer, comprehends more than any other chapter in the New Testament. So this chapter is worthy of some more study, isn't it? And tonight we're going to notice four wonderful things that were given to Jesus that he mentions in this chapter. The verses are verse 4, verse 6, verse 8, verse 22. And you will notice in each of these verses the expression, which thou gavest me. Four times. Which thou gavest me. But there are four different things that were given to Jesus that these four verses speak about. Notice the first, I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished, what? Work. The work, what work? Thou Which thou gavest me to do. Now the sixth verse, I have manifested thy name unto whom? The man. what me? Which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. Now the eighth verse. For I have given unto them what? The words. words. What words? Which thou gavest me, and they have received them. And the twenty-second verse. And the glory. Which thou gavest me, I have given them. That they may be one even as we are one. Now perhaps we should get those expressions before us here on the board so that we can be looking at them. What is that first expression? The work. work. And what work is it? The work which thou gavest me. Genius. Who is the Thou? God. God. All right. And what's that second expression? The men. What men? Okay. Which Thou gavest yes. me. The words. What words? Which Thou gavest me. An interesting the exactness of the repetition here. Yes. All right. Now number four. What is it? The glory. What glory? Which thou gavest me. Do you think there's any connection between these four? Yes. Oh, yes. The work that was given to Jesus was to give to these men that were given to him the words and the glory that God gave him. Is that right? That's it. So all there together. Now we're going to study it together a little. What did Jesus say in that fourth verse that he had done with that work which God gave him? He finished, he finished it. I'm so glad that Jesus is not only the author but the he finisher, Hebrews 12:1 and 2. You know, that's the reason we keep the Sabbath. We believe that when Jesus, as the active agent of the Father in creation, began something on the morning of the first day of the week, he had it all finished by Friday afternoon. Is that right? In six days, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And so we are dealing with one who always finishes what he begins. You know, that's the reason, friends, that I have assurance of salvation. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, in me, in us all, will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 6, reading the margin. Oh, I like that word finish, don't you? But remember this, when Jesus prayed this prayer, And when he made this statement to his father, it didn't look like that he'd completed his work. We're told that his work at that time had the appearance of cruel defeat. It looked to those who were looking on as if he'd made a failure. But had he? Oh, no. No. Although he was in the shadow of Gethsemane, although just ahead of him was the Betrayal, the denial, the judgment hall, the scourging, the crucifixion. Yet Jesus knew that he was winning at every step. Oh, what faith, what hope, what courage. And I'm so glad tonight, friends, that that same Savior that began a work back there and finished it has begun a work in your heart and mine, and he's going to finish that. Aren't you glad? Amen. That gives me courage tonight, and I rejoice in it, and I know you do. All right, now let's look at that sixth verse. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. How does it happen? that Jesus had Peter and Matthew and Thomas and Philip and Andrew and James how does it happen that he had those particular men? Were they selected men? Who selected them? God selected them and he gave them to Jesus that's what this says the men which thou gavest me the men which thou gavest me in other words, Jesus didn't just go around through the country looking around and sizing people up and saying, Well, I guess there's somebody I might use. He was looking all the while for the men that God had selected, elected, to share with Jesus in this wonderful experience and in this wonderful work. In the sixth chapter of John, this same gospel, verse 37. Christ makes a wonderful statement. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Who's going to come to Jesus? All those that the Father gives him. Somebody says, I don't understand that. Maybe that's my problem. Maybe God has never given me to Jesus. Don't understand that. Well... Let's just look at it again and see what it says and let's not miss what it says wondering about all that it means or doesn't mean. John 6, 37 All that the Father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now you remember that this is in the synagogue at Capernaum. The day before he had fed the multitude with the five loaves and they were all ready to crown him king. But he refused that. He was not seeking earthly honors or earthly authority. He had a spiritual kingdom to establish. And when he made that plain the next day in the synagogue at Capernaum, nearly all of those who had been ready to crown him king the day before were now ready to turn their backs on him. In fact, they did turn their backs on him. And I want you to notice what Jesus said to those people that uh, resisted him and would not accept. After he had told them in the 37th verse, as we've seen, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. He says in the 45th verse, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Then in the 64th verse, he says, But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. Here we have it again. You cannot come to Jesus unless it's given you of God. You will never be Jesus' disciple unless God gives you to Jesus. That's the way those disciples got to be Jesus' disciples. They were given to Jesus of God. Would you like to be given to Jesus? Amen. Would you? Why don't you ask God to give you to Jesus? Why don't you ask him? You have a part in this. You remember back there when Abraham sent his trusted servant Eliezer over there to Haran to get a wife for Isaac? And when guided by the providence of God, he found Rebekah And he had gone and talked with her father and brother and made the necessary arrangements and asked, told the story of God's providence. You remember what the Bible says they did about Rebecca? They they went and asked her, will you go? She heard the story of God's providence and she said, yes, I'll go. Was she given to Isaac? Yes. But did she have something to say about it? Yes. My dear friends, the only way you can be Jesus' child is for God to give you to Jesus. But he's going to ask you whether you'll go or not. He's going to ask you, just as they asked Rebecca back there. And oh, I'm so glad that by his Holy Spirit he's drawing this one and that one and this one and that one. And if we'll respond, dear one, will be given into the hands of Jesus to accomplish for us what he did for those first disciples. For when Jesus was praying for those disciples there in the shadow of Gethsemane, he was praying also for some people down here today. Would you like to hear that? This to me, what I'm about to read, is one of the most wonderful statements in all the writings of Inspiration. This is volume 4, page 529. Jesus pleaded, not for one only, but for all his disciples. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. Now listen. His eye pierced the dark veil of the future and read the life history of every son and daughter of Adam He felt the burdens and sorrows of every tempest-tossed soul. Oh, think of it, friend! Your burdens, your sorrows, Jesus felt them. And he felt them that night as he was praying this prayer we're studying. And that earnest prayer included, with his living disciples, all his followers to the close of time, neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Yes, that prayer of Christ embraces even us. Isn't that nice? Aren't you glad, friend? Jesus was praying for you that night, not just for John and Peter and Matthew. He was praying for you. He took your name on his lips. He had your problems, your burdens, your sorrows. On his heart. Ah, you say that's too big. I can't comprehend that. Why, friends, I don't begin to comprehend it, but I believe it. Thank God I believe in a lot of things that are too big for me to understand. I can't understand how they can take pictures of the moon or send people around this planet in a few hours, several times. Do you understand that? Somebody says, oh, yes, I understand that. Are you sure you do, friends? I'm not sure you understand all about it. But we're dealing with something here that's infinitely greater than anything in rockets or moon pictures. We're dealing with the infinite God tabernacling in human flesh. And thank God he was able to think of each one of us personally as if that one were the only object of his love and care. Believe it. Don't worry about comprehending it. Get the joy of it, the thrill of it. Jesus prayed for you yes that prayer of Christ embraces even us we should be comforted by the thought that we have a great intercessor in the heavens presenting our petitions before God so you have the joy of including yourself in that expression of thinking of your name as you hear Christ pray for the men which thou the father gavest me out of the world Thank God, and don't forget, although if you're God's child, it's because the Father gave you to Jesus. Remember, you have a part in it. You have to say, yes, I'll go when you're invited. When the Holy Spirit knocks at the door of your heart, your response must be, yes, I'll go. I'll go to be with Jesus. I'll go to be his child. I'll go to be his disciple. You're given to Jesus by God but your choice enters into it you see that don't you now we're told you know that this prayer that Jesus prayed was a sample an example an illustration of the prayers that he would offer in the heavenly sanctuary within the veil. so he's been praying like this prayer ever since he went back to heaven and that recalls to our mind that wonderful fact that as the high priest bore the names of Israel on his shoulders and on the breastplate. So our great high priest carries on his heart the names of all his children. Ah, he goes farther than the high priest did back there in Moses' tabernacle. He has our names graven on his hands. Before the throne my surety stands, my name is written on his hands. Did it cost something to write my name there? Oh yes, untold agony. Oh, the love that was willing to be tortured, abused, crucified, killed, that our names might be written on his hand. So he's thinking of us tonight. Aren't you glad? All right. Now, what did Jesus give to the men that God gave him? What did he give? The The words. Which thou gavest me. Think of it: when Jesus came to this world, He made Himself dependent, as we are dependent, on getting things from God. And the only way that Jesus had, the only way He used, of leading and teaching and training and blessing those disciples was to get some words from God his Father. Think of it. I have given them the words which thou gavest me. Do you know how often he got those words? Every day. Let's turn back to Isaiah, the 50th chapter, and we'll see. This is speaking of Jesus prophetically. Turn to Isaiah, the 50th chapter, the fourth verse. This is a marvelous text. This shows just how Jesus got the help every day to share with his disciples these that he was training. Isaiah 50, verse 4. Do you have it? Will you read it with me? The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning he wakeneth mine ear to hear as the Lord. How often? Good morning, Good morning. Every morning. And he got what? He got words. This says he got a word. To speak. When? In season. What does in season mean? The right time. The right time. Isn't that nice for him? Amen. Speak the right word at the right time. And how did Jesus manage to do that? Well, he got those words from his Father. Christ's object lessons has a beautiful comment on this in page uh, 139 Christ was continually receiving from the Father that he might communicate to us what does continually mean? All all the time what was he doing all the time? he was receiving this says so that he could do what? communicate, give Christ was continually receiving from the Father that he might communicate to us. The word which ye hear, he said, is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Not for himself, but for others, he lived and thought and prayed. From hours spent with God, he came forth morning by morning to bring the light of heaven to men. Daily he received a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the early hours of the new day the Lord awakened him from his slumbers and his soul and his lips were anointed with grace that he might impart to others. His words were given him fresh from the heavenly courts. He got them how? Fresh. 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 Every day. So this is literally true what he prayed in this prayer. I have given them the words which thou gavest me. Oh, think of it, friend. If he'd missed getting it, he would have had to miss giving it, wouldn't he? But he never missed. Thank God. Every morning he tanked up. Every morning he received the words. And every morning his father gave him the words. Isn't that wonderful? That's why he could train those disciples by giving them the words that the Father gave him. All right, now back to John 17, verse 22. And this is the most wonderful verse of all in the four we're studying tonight. John 17:22. Which is this one? The glory. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. I wonder what that glory is. The character of God. Well, let's go back to Exodus, the 33rd chapter, and see if we can get a glimpse of this glory. Exodus 33, verses 18 and 19. Exodus 33, verses 18 and 19. Moses wanted to see God's glory, and he prayed about it. And God said, all right, Moses, if you want to see my glory, I'll give you what you're asking for. But notice what it was. Exodus thirty-three eighteen and 19. And he, that's Moses, said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he, that is God, said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. What was the glory? His goodness, his name. And the name, of course, stands for the character. Notice the um, next chapter, where the fulfillment of this took place. Exodus 34, 5 and 6. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed what? The name of the Lord. This is the glory. Sixth verse. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. This was God's glory, his name, his character. And so, when Jesus says in this prayer, the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. That is to say, Jesus revealed the Father's name, the Father's character to those disciples. I like the way Goodspeed translates John 17:6. I have revealed your real self to the men you gave me from the world. I've revealed what? Your real self. Did they, in getting acquainted with Jesus, get acquainted with the Father? Why, yes, you remember what he said to Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. father. Now, if you were picking out one word from the Bible, which in one word would express that name, that character, that glory of God, what word would it be? Love, Love. that's right, 1 John 4, 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. love. That's it. And is that what Jesus came to reveal? Is that what he revealed to those disciples? Is that the glory? Oh, yes, that's the glory. Desire of Ages, page 20. The glory shining in the face of Jesus is the glory of self-sacrificing love. That's the glory. It isn't just some light. As Christ went about those hills of Judea and Galilee, there wasn't always shining about him some halo like some of these medieval pictures. No. He walked along as men walk along. He appeared as a man. But oh, from his face was shining the glory of love. Little children loved to approach him. The sick, the weary, the discouraged, they felt that here was somebody that was interested in him. Now it's true that the hypocritical scribes and Pharisees hated him and they they resisted him. But oh, every heart that was open to the Spirit's influence felt that drawing power of love. And they saw something of that glory of God, the glory of love. You know, in Desire of Ages, in that chapter on the... um, imprisonment and death of John I don't have the book with me just now but in the last paragraph you'll find that wonderful expression God never leads his children otherwise than they would choose to be led if they could see the end from the beginning and discern the glory what does discern mean? why it means to, to see something to see something Understand it. do you discern the glory in the life of Jesus what do you think of when you think of that glory is it just that light that illumined him on the mount of transfiguration oh no the glory of God revealed in Jesus was displayed in loving ministry to those about him even as a child we're told from his earliest years, he was possessed of one purpose. He lived to what? Bless others. Bless others. He's just loving people all the time. Amen. That's the glory. And where did he get it? Got it from his father. What did he do with it? He gave it to those disciples. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. Friends, now I bring you the most wonderful thing of all. God will in Jesus wants to share all this with us he wants to give us a work just as he gave Jesus a work he wants to give us some men just as he gave Jesus some men he wants to give us some words to give to those men just as he gave Jesus some words and he wants to share with us his glory that we may share it with those that he's given to let's look at some statements on this John the 17th chapter and the 18th verse John 17:18. I think this will make it very clear that what God did for and through Jesus, he wants to do for and through us. John 17:18. Do you have it? Will you read it with me? As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Who sent Jesus into the world? God the Father. Now Jesus says, I'm sending these men that you gave me, I'm sending them out just the same way that you sent me. Is that what he says? Isn't that wonderful, friend? And remember what he says in the 20th verse. It wasn't just for those 11 men kneeling around him there in the shadow. Oh no. But for those that would believe on him through their word, right on down to the very end. And as we've already seen, that prayer included all of us. Has Jesus sent you as the Father sent him? Another verse on that, John 20, 21. Oh, this is wonderful. This is after the resurrection. John 20, 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. What does as mean? Like or in the same way. Just as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. Oh, if we can get that sense of mission, that sense of commission, that we can go knowing, that Jesus has given us a work to do just as the Father gave him a work to do. Well, you remember in Mark 13:34, it says he gave to every man what? His work. his work. His work. Not just some work, but his work. That is the man's individual work. You remember how it's put in object lessons here. Page 326 he gives to every man his work each has his place in the eternal plan of heaven is there a particular place for you? then you remember that sentence on the top of 327 sounds like a trumpet call not more surely is the place prepared for us in the heavenly mansions than is the special place designated on earth where we're to work for God isn't that nice? Why think of it, friends, today, tomorrow, next week, next year, and as long as time shall linger, there is a special work planned for you and given you by Jesus just as the Father gave Jesus a special work. Was there a time for Jesus to be in Capernaum? Was there a time for him to be up at Jerusalem? Was there a time for him to be in Nazareth? Was there a time for him to be across Jordan and Perea? Yes, a time for everything. Was he on time? Was he doing his work? You remember even at the age of 12, he said to Mary as she and Joseph were hunting for him, do you not know that I must be about what? My father's business. My father has given me a job to do and I've got to be on that job. Now in carrying it out, he was subject to them for another 18 years, but my point is this, friends, he was ever always conscious of the fact that his father had given him a particular job to do, and his one thought in life was to do that work. And that's why when he came to the end of his life, he could say, I finished it. If he'd allowed anything to divert it, it wouldn't have been finished, right? Oh, friends, if you and I allow anything to divert us from the work, the special work, the particular work, the individual work that God has given us to do, we will come to the close of our life with the work unfinished. Won't that be too bad? That would be an eternal loss. Thank God if we'll be willing as Jesus was to be emptied of self and to look to him day by day to get our work, our job. Thank God, friends. We can finish our work by his grace as he finished his work. What do you say? Yeah. Shall we do it? Oh, yes. Thank God. Now I'm particularly interested in this expression, the men which thou gavest me, as relates to our personal experience. What do you think of when you think of soul winning, Pray. What do you think of as you come in contact with men and women from day to day? Is it just a sort of a wholesale thing? I, if, if it has been. I want to give you something more interesting than that. You're to be looking all the while for certain people. You know when I go up this time of year, up these canyons, you know what I'm looking for? Hepaticas, these wildflowers. And really, when the season gets this far along, I'm not just looking always for Hepatica, I'm looking for certain Hepatica. I like to find a nice blue one or a purple one or a pink one you understand? now there's hundreds of them up there hundreds of flowers but I'm looking for a certain one now Jesus while he was ready to bless everybody nevertheless he was looking all the while For the particular ones that his father had picked out that could be helped at that time by him in that particular situation. Do you see what I mean? Now you can't help everybody. You might wish you could, but you can't. But there's somebody you can help. I want to read you something very interesting. This is in a letter Sister White wrote in 1896. If the teachers of his word are willing, the Lord will lead them into close relation with the people. He will guide them into the homes of those who need and desire the truth, bringing them into the situations best suited to their talents. Do you like that? Yeah. Think of it, friends. God said, that he's wanting and waiting to guide you into certain homes where the people in those homes will be those that your talents are particularly suited to reach and help. Isn't that wonderful? Do you happen to have a key with you? Okay. Well, now, brother, what's that key to? Uh, automobile ignition. That's the key to the automobile. Do you suppose it'd fit my automobile? Why I know it won't fit my automobile, but it'll fit that automobile. Why? It was made to fit that, nothing else. Brother, sister, there is somebody that God has made you to fit into their needs. And your daily prayer should be as Jesus was. Lord, give me the men, the people the men and women, the boys and the girls that I can best help, don't forget that. And God will do it. He'll do it for you just as he did for Jesus. That's your privilege. And then you won't need to worry about your limitations. You won't need to to weep because you say, Oh, I wish I could do like so-and-so does. Oh, no. Let so-and-so do the way they can. Their key fits particular people. But we don't need another key like that. One's enough, isn't it, brother? (laughs) Yes, One's enough. Thank you. But, oh, there are thousands of people that need to be helped, and God needs somebody just as peculiar as you to fit into certain situations and certain needs. Certain individuals are waiting for you. They're waiting for you. And, oh, what a thrill it is to discover that from all eternity God has planned to give you, that person, give you the joy of fitting into their needs. Can you think of anything more thrilling to live for than that, friend? This is life. This is the great object of life. The men which thou gavest me, said Jesus, I have manifested your name to. Oh, will you manifest his name to the men that God gives you how many will do that thank God for it and the others leave with those that can help them better than you can there's somebody that you can help better than anybody else in the world if you want something interesting on that put down in your notes ministry of healing 473 it calls attention to the fact that God sent Philip way down from Samaria down toward Gaza to find how many One. one man If you study the map, you'll find that there were dozens of wonderful preachers much closer to that man than Philip was. But God bypassed Jerusalem and by his spirit went up there to Samaria, north of Jerusalem, said, Philip, I know you're doing a work here in Samaria, but get busy, I've got a special job for you to do today. Get going on that desert road down there to Gaza. And when he got down there, he found a great audience. How many? just one what a disappointment Philip didn't think so he was led by the spirit and he was looking for the man that God would give him did God give Philip a man that day did he oh yes and all through eternity friends Philip and that man will be close friends don't you know they will and the eunuch he won hundreds and thousands of others through his influence all down there in Ethiopia my point is this friends God is still sending men today to be at the right place at the right time with the right word. Read it there in Ministry of Healing 473. Now I want to ask a special question to some special people here tonight. The question I'm about to ask here isn't for everybody now. It's just for some special people. It's for fathers and mothers. I want to ask you, do you know who your men are? You fathers and mothers, do you? Who do you think they are? your children. Is that right? Yes. If you want the Bible proof on that is Hebrews the second chapter and the thirteenth verse. Now I want you to turn to that, all you parents, and the others can turn to it too if you like. But all oh, you parents, turn to it. Hebrews 2, 13. Last part of the verse, Hebrews two thirteen, And again, behold, I am the children which God hath given me. There you have it, just like this, you see, the men which thou gavest me. Those disciples, Peter and John and Matthew and Thomas, they were like Jesus' children. True, they were grown-up children, but uh, they acted like children many times, didn't they? Some of the same problems children had. Jesus had to train them and study with them and discipline them and pray with them just like parents have to do with their children the point is he kept on until he could say they're all here father except that one son of perdition Judas but he got eleven out of the twelve that's a wonderful thing isn't it you know Judas wasn't given to Jesus as the others were he urged his way in you remember that don't you now you parents God has given you children One, two, half a dozen, whatever the number. Oh, what a thrill it will be when Christ comes to be able to look into his face, surrounded by your little flock, and say, behold, I am the children which God hath given me. What a disappointment it would be if one were missing. Wouldn't it, friends? And I say to every father and mother here tonight, First of all, when you think of those that God has given you, think of those children. There might be some question about somebody else. There is absolutely no question on this point. No question about it at all. And I'd like to emphasize that with a word from the book Adventist Home, page 245. Adventist Home, page 245. Mothers who sigh for a missionary field have one at hand in their own home circle. Where is the first missionary field for mothers? Home Home circle. Are not the souls of her own children of as much value as the souls of heathen? Everyone has a work to do for the master. It is a wonderful work to make home pleasant. If you ignore your duty as a wife and mother and hold out your hands for the Lord to put another class of work in them, be sure that he will not contradict himself. He points you to the duty you have to do at home. If you have the idea that some work greater and holier than this has been entrusted to you, you are under a deception. By faithfulness in your own home, working for the souls of those who are nearest to you, you may be gaining a fitness to work for Christ in a wider field. Notice it doesn't say a more important field, but you might be called later to a wider field. But the place to enter in now is what? The home. But be sure that those who are neglectful of their duty in the home circle are not prepared to work for other souls. The Lord has not called you to neglect your home, He never works in this way, and he never will. You may be urged to attend mother's meetings and sewing circles, that you may do missionary work. But unless there is a faithful understanding instructor to be left with your children, it is your duty to answer that the Lord has committed to you another work which you can in no wise neglect. The mother should not accept burdens in the church work which compel her to neglect her children. In no other way can a mother help the church more than by devoting her time to those who are dependent upon her for instruction and training. similar instruction to fathers too. I say again, dear parents, dear fathers and mothers, remember, no question, where this first applies in your life. And again I say, get the thrill of being able to join with Jesus. In saying when you meet the Father, behold I and the children that God hath given. Is that what Jesus is going to say about all of us? Is he going to look up to the Father and say, Father, here I am and all these children you gave me? Yes. And all that every father and mother here tonight may have that joy. All right. Now, to do our work and to train our men, whoever they are, we need some what? Words. Words. Where are we going to get them? We must get them just the way Jesus got them, morning by morning from Jesus. I read something, dear friends, that impressed me very much. God is talking here to ministers. He's telling them to be careful who they listen to about what they preach. I'm going to share this with this congregation. This is volume 5, 252. Another cause of failure in these conferences, she's talking about two conferences two thousand miles from here, another cause of failure is that the people to whom God's messenger is sent wish to mold his ideas to theirs and to put into his mouth the words that he should speak. God's watchmen must not study how they shall please the people, nor listen to their words and utter them, but they must listen to hear what saith the Lord, what is His word for the people. Amen. Now, dear friends, there's a warning. Did you ever wish you could tell the preacher what to preach? Did you? Did you ever wish you could tell him what not? Better talk to the case. Don't misunderstand me. Times, clip proper is giving it's what is impressed you with, but I would be delicate. Be- Right. and I say to every child, and be careful that you do not shape your message to so, the end of this way. You message of God. It warns you. Why? Because, listen, listen to Jesus, that's how it works. If I, God would have hope on him, so, listen, what's setting? why would people hope will give them adapted to meet needs friend of friends I confess it in fail. I thought uh, any time I've seen the right deal, bit of me. Turning, listen, pray. Waiting <laughs> up. Right, take no. Getting ready. the subject is bent on, get down on my knees and ratify what he. And I can in the best way. to give to the best. word, words, other what morning at breakfast with the can opener you understand and put that out on the table and you knew that was coming 365 days in the year in leap year 366 days what would you think of that program you know that's the way some people conduct family worship that's right now believe me friends it's a lot better than starving today isn't it yes I'd a whole lot rather have a can of food opened every morning than to sit there and have nothing, wouldn't you? And God pity us! there are thousands of homes that aren't having any family worship at all. But if you want a blessing, friends, and haven't been entering into this, you that conduct family worship, you fathers or mothers in father's absence or anybody else, get down on your knees in the morning before the others are up and get some fresh manna for that morning tell God that you must have his words for those children or those people that are there that particular morning tell God you must have it ask him take these references I've given you tonight oh thank God there's fresh manna every morning if we'll go after it what do you say the words which thou gavest me I want you to have that and now not closing the glory which thou gavest me the same Jesus that got that glory of love from his father and shared it with his disciples wants to give us that glory of love that we may share it with our families with the people we're studying with with the people that we're training in our school in our homes or wherever we may be those people that God has given us they need to see the glory, the glory of love. But friends, love is something that you can't manufacture, neither can you dry it and store it away. Love is something that you must get fresh every day. In early writings, page 252, we have the wonderful picture of Jesus standing at the mercy seat there in the most holy place, Praying to his Father and the glory shining down on him from the Father. And then it says that glory, Jesus, shines down upon his waiting people that are praying and looking up to him. See how it's put in the Bible in Romans 5.5. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by what? By the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Day by day we can get that glory, that glory of love. Day by day we can get enough love to share with others. And friends, if we run out before the day's over, what do you say we go back and get some more? Is there plenty there? Thank God. Moment by moment, hour by hour, we can look. We can look to the mercy seat and get this precious love to share with others. In closing, will you look at the last verse now of John 17. This is the climax of the prayer. This is the heart of Christ being poured out in earnest longing for those disciples and for you and me. John 17, the 26th verse. And I have declared unto them thy name, thy character, thy love, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Shall we bow our heads? Precious Lord, we thank thee for sharing thy work with us, and thy words with us, that we may minister in thy name to those whom thou hast given us. And most of all, we thank thee for that glory that glory of love which shone from the dear face of Jesus when he was here and is reflected down from the mercy seat tonight O our Savior we thank thee that we are called to the sweet privilege of sharing that glory of love with others as thou hast shared it with us we praise thee in thine own dear name Amen. Amen. Who has some word of praise that you would like to offer to the glory of God tonight? Now Christ was seeking to teach his disciples that all the way along. You remember that that day he fed the five thousand. Did Jesus personally go to every one of those five thousand and give them bread? What did he do? Well, he used his disciples. They came and he filled their baskets and then they went out and gave it. And so every one of you, students, helpers, remember, Jesus has somebody for you to help right now. He's got some people that he's given you just as he gave the disciples to Jesus and just as he used them to help others. It's a fresh adventure. Every day is a fresh adventure. And I don't mean some frothy excitement like the world has. There's sorrows, Jesus had to weep and pray over these men that God gave him, didn't he? But oh, thank God, he laid hold with one arm of his father, with the other arm he laid hold of these souls, and he drew them together. And that's your job. And that's the work that he's given you, and he'll give you the glory to go with him. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio